0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Reverend Rick Anderson. He's a conference speaker, presenter, and he labors with the Chaim ministry to the Jewish people. Uh, Brother Rick, it's great to have you on with us today. And Rick, right off, can you tell us quickly about Chaim?
1: Thank you, Dan. I am not the director of Chaim. Reverend Fred Klett is is actually the director of Chaim. Uh, I've been working with him for 22 years. I head up the evangelism department of of Chaim.
0: That's very helpful.
1: And Chaim has three full-time ministers. One is Reverend Fred Klett. He's in the Philadelphia Presbytery of the PCA. I'm uh, with Stratford Presbyterian Church here in New Jersey. And then there's associate pastor Vitaly Kalinovsky who, um, he's at Rock of Israel Congregation, that's a PCA church plant in Philadelphia. Uh, Fred's also the pastor of Rock of Israel.
0: Okay. Yeah, helpful. Well, I'm on your mailing list, and uh, from time to time you'll send out an update of what you're doing. And uh, one of the more recent updates, I think it was, oh, I don't know, I, towards the end of May, I believe, um, was concerning um, what you've learned as you have been doing street evangelism in Philadelphia. I find that to be almost scary at times when I think about doing what you do, and yet it's, um, in some ways, it's the normal Christian life. But please tell us um, what what have you learned as you've been working on the streets of Philly. Um, telling people of the good news of of the Lord?
1: Well, let me see. Um, It's not so scary if you're prayed up, if you pray a lot. Most of my prayer goes to my reaction to irritation. Um, Oh. I'm praying verses like, um, I must decrease, Christ must increase, uh, do not repay evil for evil, or insult with insult. That's an actual verse. Um, the other, the other verse that I pray is, uh, actually it's by way of reminder, I just glorify God in my soul that, yeah. um, he owns everything. He, there, there is no God forsaken place on earth, even on the street corner. Um, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and there is, uh, I think it was, uh, one of these, uh, reformed, uh, historical figures, D- Doyle weird or Kuiper. Uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but basically he said there's no area of the earth where God does not say, it is mine.
0: Yeah, that's Kuiper.
1: um, Kuiper, all right, great. So I put myself in remembrance of that, and um, then I have a routine that I go through. Now, we do street evangelism. um, The way I do street evangelism is I'll just stand in in a public access area a street corner uh it's still, it's still great uh, Dan, in this country that a street evangelist can stand on a public access street and discuss the gospel to anyone and everyone that's really a rarity in in nations today mm. you don't get arrested
0: yeah that's cool
1: and so what I'll do is I'll just plant myself there and I'll give out brochures and the purpose of the brochure Is well, you know, Dan. I'm not a tract dispenser. Uh, My purpose is to start a conversation. So I'll give out brochures and I'll say, um, uh, one for you, or did you get one? You know. And in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, it's uh, it's acceptable practice to do this kind of thing because people are always hawking things on street corners. Mm. You know, they're they're giving out, uh, you know, um, uh, tour guide cards or boat rides or who knows what. (laughs) And so I'm giving, giving out stuff and then I'll, and then as they're walking by I'll say um, I'll try and stop them I don't mean I don't mean physically but I'll say do you know what that is and I'll get them to stop and look at it what do you have in your hand do you know what that piece of paper is uh, half the time they'll stand and half the time they'll say uh, uh, no what is it I'll say it's a gospel tract a gospel brochure do you know what the gospel is mm. okay now if if they respond uh, I in, I try and start up a conversation, okay, and um, and then I'll chat with them. And uh, a lot of times they're just blasting by, but sometimes they actually stop. And then I'll go into the evangelism explosion diagnostic questions that I have hardwired into my cranium, <laughs> <laughs> so that I, I can I can say them naturally. And I'll say, well, well, um, Marie or Frank or. Ahmed or or even Muhammad, I I talk to Muslims Mm -hmm. and Jews. Uh, I'll say, um, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you died tonight that you would go to the good place and not to the bad place? Mm. right? And I'll wait for their response. And um, then then I'll follow it up with the next question. Uh, In other words, uh, Dan or Marie if you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What do you think you would say to him in that day? That's my routine. And, and yeah. the, the answer is almost always, um, well, because I try my best, I, I, I do this, I do that. I basically, I, you know, most of the people are in this performance mode of, if, I, if I'm good enough, I'll I'll go to the good place. Yeah. And then I'll follow up, follow it up with the third question. Well, Marie or Dan... Would you mind if I share with you what the, the scriptures do say about that because they say something different than what you said? Yeah. sure, go ahead, shoot <laughs> sometimes they 'll say that and then i and then i 'll bring out my uh verses and i'll um i 'll ask them to tell me what they think they mean what i 'm doing is i 'm engaging them with the scriptures, and then i 'm praying for the uh, you know uh, that, 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 that the words that are so commonly uh, heard by church people um yeah. That 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 other people you know look at maybe once in their lifetime that, that they would really engage with the text and I, I start a conversation. That's great. So what I've learned is that you're not when you see crowds of people blasting by, you're not you're not dealing with a monolithic crowd of people. What you're dealing with and what you're talking who you're talking to is one single individual they you're not you're not dealing with an army of of a hundred people out there you're dealing with one person who needs christ who needs to close with christ mm. and um and that's helpful and um and so what i 've learned is is just not to be afraid because you know if you're trusting in god you know god's in control. And then you hear certain reactions that are, in a way, they're humorous. (laughs) Um, um, There's all sorts of people, and and people answer, you know, there's certain standard answers that people answer. And, you know, based on just a couple of first words, you can almost predict where the conversation's going. But every once in a while, there's some strange thing. Here's here's what I found that, that... often happens in street evangelism. You'll be doing this um, for an hour and nothing. You know, people are just blasting by. It could be the time of day. It could be um, they have to go to work. It's just they could be genuinely busy. It could <laughs> be, you know, it's 46 degrees, or it could be like 100, uh, 100 degrees, whatever the temperature. So that's why they don't want to stand in the blazing sun. Or um, But every once in a while, someone from left field, so to speak, Comes up to you and says, "What is that? Can I have one of them? What are you talking hmm. about? It's like, where did this come from? You know, for for an hour. Where were you for the for the first sixty minutes? So that's one thing I've learned.
0: Oh, that's so yeah. neat. And um, yeah. now your background is also very intriguing to me. Um, God saved you, brought you to Himself. And the way you were brought up was, uh, I believe, Jewish. Can you explain to our listeners, just quickly, a little bit of your background?
1: Yeah, I was I was raised in a, uh, a conservative uh, a Jewish family. That's an actual branch of Judaism. Uh, it it means it's not we're not we weren't. There's three branches. There's Orthodox. That's the strictest. They're mo- most like the Pharisees. Um, there's conservative, that's in the middle, that's, uh, it takes a, a bit, it's partly conserv it's partly, like, right-wing, partly left-wing, if you could put it that way in religious mm-hmm. terms. And then there's the large reform, uh, um, branch of Judaism that, that tends to be like, um, what we would call liberal Christianity. Um, so, it, it I'm, I'm from the middle branch. Okay. So, i was uh i was bar- mitzvah at um thirteen i was raised i was uh, i went through the, the hebrew uh parochial school system and uh was educated in uh, in in the faith and um i came to faith by uh, I, I came to, to uh, how can i put it like this i came to christ when i was um, nineteen and it came by reading Isaiah chapter fifty-three. See, in, in the synagogue, Isaiah fifty-three is avoided because it's um, too controversial, and it is too too clear for for um, it's too clear for the rab the rabbis. When they see this, they have to explain it away, and they've done that for hundreds and thousands of years. But I read it, and I said. Um, that sounds a lot like jesus and then i started asking i asked actually 3 or 4 rabbis about who this this sin bearer is in the 53rd chapter of isaiah hmm. isaiah is part of the jewish canon of scriptures it doesn't mean that all jews believe it, that this is the word of god these scriptures but at least it it, it has the it's holy it's considered holy legend Uh, it's a sacred text that uh, may or may may not be true, but it's something that they venerate and, you know, that that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Some take it more uh, more, uh, seriously than others, some less so. But I knew it was part of the Jewish canon of scriptures, which ends with uh, the prophet Malachi and does not continue into the New Testament. So everything from Genesis to Malachi is, is... to the Jews, it's considered their book. So I read it and I said, "It sounds like Jesus." And I went to, oh, I talked to, to at least three rabbis, maybe four, and the answers were all uh, they didn't make sense to me. Uh, one said, "Well, we don't believe it's Jesus. This this sin bearer that you're seeing in in Isaiah, that's a figurative way of speaking of the people of Israel. That isn't uh, an individual. That's a you know he he, he was." wounded for our transgressions. It's a, it's Israel, it's Israel that, that's being wounded for our transgressions. But the prophet is speaking, he's saying our, and we esteemed him not, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray, yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. No, no, and so I'm saying that, that doesn't make sense. That interpretation sounds fixed, it sounds fabricated. Uh, another rabbi said uh, to me, well, uh, we don't believe that this is Jesus because our faith teaches that it is not. Uh, there's a there's a, a logical fallacy. It's an argument from authority. Uh, you'd get the same thing, by the way, uh, if you speak to many many Roman Catholics who would tell you, "Well, I don't believe what you're saying because my church teaches that that it's not true." So uh, you know, it's it's an appeal to authority, which is in. It's it's not logical. Another one. Uh, another rabbi said, "Well, all right. Uh, suppose it is Jesus, but after two thousand years, really, what difference does it make?" <laughs> and and of course, I didn't. I was dumbfounded when I when I heard that. I mean, that that just. Um, what do you mean? What difference does it make? It means we missed the boat for two thousand <laughs> years. But I, of course, I didn't say that to him. I was about. I was only nineteen. Um, and subsequent to that, I found that there were other more more educated more effective arguments that the rabbinic community has, but I didn't hear them at the time. One one argument is um, what the Christians have done is they have drawn the target and put the bullseye in the target and then moved the target, uh, figuratively speaking, in a way that made it, they, they've rigged it to make it like Jesus because uh-huh. this, this prophecy was always you know it was it was around for a long time and then the apostles got together and they tried to fit uh this this individual jesus into the mold of this prophecy etc etc but basically what what convinced me was um christians on on a college campus uh not, they didn't convince me that Jesus was the Christ. That's not the point I'm trying to make. What they convinced me of was the integrity of, of, of Hebrew scripture prophecy. Hmm. This is one thing I never learned in the synagogue that the prophets predicted the future. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, uh, they, and, and they pr- predicted the future about the rise and fall of various nations and individuals. Uh, they, they predicted the rise and fall of Nebuchadnezzar, of Cyrus of Persia, of the Median Empire, of, 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 uh, of Babylon, of uh, Nineveh, etc. They basically said, here's what's going to happen in the future. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, lo and behold, according to the Hebrew Scriptures, it was fulfilled. And mm-hmm. so I reasoned from there, and I said, okay, well, these Christians want to talk to me about Jesus. But I won't ask them. I'll just I'll just think about it. Uh, if if they predicted the rise and fall, these prophets, if they predicted the rise and fall of of uh, uh, Nineveh and Tyre and all that stuff, you think they might have something to say about a coming Messiah, because in Judaism there is the belief in the coming Messiah. Mm-hmm. So I said, Well yeah, it wouldn't make sense because the entire entire world dates time from the birth of Christ. I mean, let's face it, he's whoever you say he is, he's he's gotta be pretty important and he and a lot of people believe he's the candidate for the Messiah. So I started looking in the in the scriptures, and lo and behold, I mean, I, I see Isaiah fifty-three corroborated by Psalm twenty-two and by Psalm two and by Daniel nine twenty-seven, and uh, by uh, by other prophecies. And I'm basically seeing that what the Judaism of the rabbis has done is they have intentionally obscured the reality of what the scripture of what the prophets talk about, and, and this is uh, and it looked it and So, I saw it, and aside from that the whole I felt the, the presence of God uh, prompting me and showing me yes. my own need um my own need of a deliverer from from sin and evil, and uh you know it wasn't uh, i didn't make a simple bald intellectual decision I basically you know God was as real to me as as you are you know talking to me on the right. f- talking to me on the phone. And that's how I became a Christian. I said, "All right, well, you know, I have to become a believer in Christ." Well, in response to that, my family uh, uh, began to go through the the grieving, the mourning process uh, of of one who has died. You know. Um, Oh yes. Yeah, and um, but I I really, you know, what was I going to say? I mean, I I just, I just met God. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so that's how it happened, Dan.
0: You know, I'm really. Glad you mentioned that last part too. Not only was it um intellectual, but you know, becoming convinced that this is the savior spoken of in Isaiah 53 and the other texts, but the Holy Spirit is doing a work, a very real, undeniable work in your heart, and it reminds me really of uh, like the apostle Paul. And, and this idea of scales falling from the eyes. Um, you know, it, God works both with our mind and this other part of us that's hard to get our arms around, our, our spirit, our our soul, whatever you call it. And the Holy Spirit does this marvelous work of regeneration, um, helping us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And and you experience that.
1: Yeah, um, part of the, the deal of, um, part of the experience of coming to, coming to believe in Christ was that I already believed in such things as the occult. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I knew the reality of um, of of Satan. I mean, I knew the reality of evil. I, and I don't mean just abstract evil. Right. I'm personified evil. I, I, I could see that I, I believed in the existence of uh, spirits, not that I communed with them or anything like that, yeah. but um, there there is a power. And I, I saw, I believed, actually I believed in the reality of Satan before I believed in the reality of God. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, uh, something's going on here that's really spooky. And um, if there is an evil, if there is a personified evil, and I believe there is, then it makes sense there is a personified good. Right. And uh, and that also was... a. Uh, for me, a convincing argument that that showed me uh, the reality of God.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful. Well, today we're talking with Reverend Rick Anderson, and he does street evangelism. Uh, he is an ordained minister of Word and Sacrament, and he is a conference speaker, a presenter. Uh, he works with the Haim ministry to the Jewish people. And Rick, in the last two or three minutes remaining, um, can you tell us in your street evangelism, um, perhaps maybe just one story of of a Muslim and how a Muslim might respond to the claims of Christ, to the gospel?
1: Yeah, that's fine. Um, by the way, a little advertisement here: um, Chaim is going to have its Independence Week outreach. Uh, we're looking for for potential volunteers who might qualify. To help us out we're going to be in various places in center city july 1st 2nd 3rd and 4th so if anyone's interested they can call your station or ask for me or something like that and we'll we'll uh we'll interview them because we need some help but anyway yeah um back to your question um one amazing story see we aim for the jews and it seems that we hit the muslims <laughs> uh we do jewish people do come uh to christ through what we do but we reach more muslims and that seemed to happen by accident. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, I've been able to s- just the people I've been able to speak to is amazing. Now I'm, I'm frequently at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, right across the street from the campus where there's the big hospital and uh, fully clothed. Foreign, in other words, you, you can tell they're from other countries rather than homegrown Muslims, mm-hmm. um, and and they're dressed from head to toe in, in, in black, you know, ladies, and they're walking by, and uh, and once in a while, if they're alone and they're not being watched or they don't sense they're being watched, they'll take some literature, and the literature that we have is in Arabic. And I only know about five words of Arabic, but I'm able to basically, uh, I I was able to have a conversation with uh, a young woman from Saudi Arabia Hmm. and another one from the United Arab Emirates about Christ on a public street corner. And uh, they they didn't convert right then and there, but they listened and they took literature. And that's a huge step for somebody from that kind of culture. So that's a, a most amazing step. Also, one other, one other. Uh, this is the University of Pennsylvania. There's a there's a group of uh, young American gals walking by students, and and one student said, hey, "Let me take a, a track from you. I want to give it to my friend who who does not want to take a track from you, but she wants to read it anyway." Gotcha. <laughs> and the gotcha. friend was right behind her, and she was kind of and, and, and she told me she was Jewish, but she uh, but she, and she, she so she didn't want to she didn't want to take one from me directly, but she wanted to read what I had to say. So that's an, that's probably the the that's an interesting experience that happened recently.
0: <laughs> that is so neat. Well, this is a delight to be able to talk with you today, Pastor Rick. God's had his hand on your life, your heart, and he's, he's directing you. And it's an encouragement to others to see all that God is doing. And uh, tell us one more time about this Independence Week outreach, July 1st through the 4th.
1: All right. Here is the city of independence, Philadelphia. Um, we are in the greater Philadelphia area down here. Uh, you have people from all over the country coming to Philadelphia for, for about oh, four or five days. You have people from all over the world coming to Philadelphia. What, uh, because this is the, the, the idea of independence and freedom is, is so important to people. Um, America is still an immensely popular place for people to visit, especially Philadelphia. And they're in a festive attitude, they're in a festive mood. So, what we do is we put, um, so we're at various places where there's tons of people, including JFK Parkway, walking around. And we wear these shirts that indicate who we are, and, and we're handing out literature. And it's tons of people and you have opportunity to speak to people from all over the world. We don't have to be missionaries and go to foreign countries necessarily. Every foreign country you can imagine is coming here, and they're from every kind of ethnicity. There there are Israelis, there are uh, Jews, there are Muslims, there are Indians, there are you you name it, and if you want practice in uh, in. Talking to people. Um, the, Fred is a mentor. I'm a mentor. Vitali is a mentor. We will coach you along, and and help you get a certain boldness so you could talk to people um, using those two EE questions. That that that's if you great. if you just keep to that, that's a great way to start the conversation.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And dear listener, if if you're inclined to help out in in this effort, uh, we can get you in touch with reverend rick anderson and we'll connect you so just contact us here at the station our email address is ministry at redeemer broadcasting.org and uh, we'll post it on the website when we post the podcast of this broadcast later today Uh, reverend rick thank you so much for joining us today
1: yeah thanks Uh, my pleasure dan and appreciate your work at redeemer absolutely
0: Amen. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.